Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You've reached the end of your pregnancy. Your due date has passed and still no baby. Fortunately, there are some safe, non-invasive ways to give your baby a gentle nudge down the birth canal. I'm Don Thompson, doula and founder of improvingbirth.org. And today, we'll explore ways to induce your labor naturally. This is Preggy Pals, Episode 10. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant, and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got cankles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. We would love for you to become part of our show. Simply visit our website, preggypals.com, for more information. You can send us comments or suggestions through the contact link on our website, or you can call the Preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775. Preggy Pals is also looking for pregnant women to join our blogging team. Send us an email through our website if you're interested. All right, let's start with our introductions. And uh, Kelly, why don't you kick things off? Hi, I'm Kelly. I am a kindergarten teacher. I'm due end of June 23rd uh, with our first, and it's going to be a surprise. We don't know boy or girl, and we are having a natural home birth. Hi, I'm Cherry. I work in market research. I'm also due on the 23rd of June. It is our first. We are also waiting for the surprise, and uh, we're planning a home birth. You guys are so patient, waiting for your baby's gender (laughs) and having a home birth. I'm like, get the baby out now. (laughs) I'm in awe, really. Uh, You know what? It's funny because there are people who still ask me all the time about, how can you be waiting? How can you be waiting? And it's like, well, at this point, I've waited so long. What's an extra four or five weeks? It's it's nothing. Yeah, it's true. And it's exciting. It's actually the longer I waited, the the more exciting it's become. Do you feel that too? That there's almost. And what's really funny is I've actually been watching these random videos on YouTube of these women having these home births where it's like a couple minutes after the baby's out, and all of a sudden someone's like, "Oh, what is it?" And like the mom hasn't even looked. Like they're so So just caught up in the baby. They're like, "Oh," and you see them lifting the baby up. Oh, it's a boy. But it's amazing because you would. I think people expect that that's going to be the first second the baby's out, Mm -hmm. and and it's it's so not. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we start today's show, here are some fabulous maternity fashion trends. Hello, Preggy Pals. I'm Crystal Steubendeck, maternity fashion expert and founder of Borrow for Your Bump, where you can buy or rent designer maternity styles for a monthly rate. Celebrities have a way of making things look easy. Jennifer Garner, January Jones, J-Lo are all the latest celebrities to sport bumps and look good doing it. 
Sure, they have a team of stylists, but in this segment, we're going to share their maternity style secrets. First, shop for transitional pieces that will take you beyond nine months. Long gone are the days of the pleated blouse that screams maternity. The time has come where many designers are creating styles that can be worn beyond the expecting nine months. For example, a dress with an empire waist is great throughout pregnancy and even post-baby. Most empire waist dress styles are made of a stretchy or flowing materials and also include an adjustable belt that is great for comfort, creating curves, and adjusting to your changing body size. You can often include items out of your closet, too, that will fit your new shape. Think open cardigans and long tunics. Second, don't forget to show off your assets. Just because you are pregnant does not mean you need to cover yourself up in a muumuu. As your bump grows, so will other parts of your body, and it is time to show it off. If you've never had cleavage before, try a v-neck top or dress. Or if you are still a little self-conscious of all the changes up top, you always have your fabulous legs, which can be shown off in a maternity mini dress. We like the shirt dress by Maternal America. This v-neck above-the-knee dress offers some alternative coverage with three-quarter sleeves and is available in heather red or navy colors. Third secret is give yourself some shape. Not all maternity styles are form-fitting. Sometimes a cute tent dress can be just as flattering. Just don't forget the power of a belt. By adding a belt below the bust, you create an empire waist, which is the most flattering look for a growing bump. Don't forget that belts can work under the bump, too. Try this look with fun tunics and long tees and even maxi skirts. A perfect celebrity role model that rocks the belt with different looks is Tori Spelling, who can be named as an expert of pregnancy. She just had baby number three and just six weeks after giving birth is pregnant again. Just remember, don't cinch that belt too tight. Being stylish is making it look easy and comfortable, not painful. Keep your signature style. If you are known as the edgy dresser, don't stop looking the part just because you are expecting. You make it work by substituting those sky-high skinny heels and mini dress for some flat, over-the-knee boots and a shorter tent dress. And if you can still pull off the outrageous 6-inch heels like J.Lo did throughout her third trimester, well then you go, girl. If you want to make your edgy look comfortable, just pair skinny jeans, a fitting tee, and a blazer. This is also a fun time to experiment with some new looks without getting too crazy with the acid wash jeans. You can create a retro look as simple as adding a red lip and a sweeping hairstyle to some black skinny jeans and a white tee. Think Gwen Stefani. Or get into the summer love look by wearing a comfortable maxi and flat sandals. You can add a headband or side braid if you really want to complete a hippie chick look, but be careful if you are petite, though, because sometimes a long maxi and a bump can be overwhelming to such a small frame. Overall, get comfortable with a new look, whether it's with bold makeup or a skinny jean. Try one trend at a time, and once you get comfortable, you can start mixing and matching and even trying bolder looks. By adding a few of these style secrets, you will feel fabulous in new trends with the confidence of an A-list celebrity. Don't forget to check out more celebrity styles at borrowforyourbump.com and be sure to listen to Preggy Pals for more great pregnancy tips. You've waited nine months for your baby, and despite being past your due date, your baby still has not made his grand debut. There are many wives' tales about ways you can induce your labor, but what really works? Does anything really work? And is it safe for you and your baby? Don Thompson, a doula and founder of ImprovingBirth.org, is here to help us separate fact from fiction. Welcome, Don. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Okay. So first of all, maybe we should just ask the general question. Are there ways to safely induce your labor naturally? 
Well, I think that there there's probably a question of safe, yes. You know, I think um, whether or not you get what you would like to have happen is a whole nother question altogether. Okay. So there are things we can do that aren't going to harm us, but are they really going to get that baby out? Eh. Exactly. Does it depend on our bodies too? Absolutely. It depends on whether or not you're you're really ready. You know, a good portion, like something like 72% of first-time moms go seven to 10 days past their due date. And so if you're trying at your due date, probably not going to work. If you are close really close to giving birth. And and usually I would say only to do the majority of these things if your body is showing signs. So like, you're, you know, you're already having irritable uterus, meaning like it's contracting often and but nothing that's consistent and sending you on to the next the next level. Right. But if you're if you've got nothing going on, most of these things are absolutely useless. Mm. I did hear someone told me, I think it was actually my last OB told me that even though it was my second child that um, it the baby, you know, didn't have any chance necessarily of coming earlier. You know, you hear that, oh, well, it's your second child. So you probably won't go past your due date. What has been your experience with that, Don? I'm just curious. Well, I think that, um, there's no way to pinpoint that at all. And yeah. it's, you know, there's probably statistics that show that some um, second time babies come like right around the due date. Mm-hmm. But if you have a longer cycle, generally, you know, if you're if your um, natural cycle is 30 days, you're probably going to go to 41 weeks at least. And and that goes that's range is true for women who. Um, our first time moms too, if you have a longer cycle, you're going to have a longer gestation probably. Okay. So that's something, unfortunately, that that little wheel doesn't take into account. The magic wheel that spits out. You know what? Okay. You know what amazes me about that magic wheel, by the way, is that three different people have given me three different dates with the same magic wheel. wheel. Yeah. So I don't know how much magic there so is in the wheel. it's not magical. No, it's like the magic eight ball. No, it doesn't really work. Because they're all asking for the same, they're all asking me for the same thing, the, you know, the, the first day of my last period and that didn't I didn't give them three different days so I don't I don't buy that well and that you know I mean the the problem with the due date is that it, it was never meant to be an exact science um it was meant to be an estimate and really the original person who did the 40 weeks thing with the due date also prefaced that it was you know a two-week window you know 40 to 42 weeks you know Mm. and and Mm. and so it was never meant to be an exact science so it's always kind of crazy when people expect their babies to come on the day that they're due or even a day after or you know i mean statistically speaking it just doesn't happen it's a very very small percentage of women who have their babies on their birth on their due date so many people have asked me when are you due when are you due and i say oh in june and but when I'm in June and it's like, you know, it frustrates them, but I'm like in, in June, you know, give or take second, third week, somewhere <laughs> around an exact date. I don't want to, you know, but it's funny how other people feel want like they to have to have the exact yeah. date. And I'm like, is that, are you writing this down so that you can call me on my due date to see if I'm in labor or something? <laughs> true. Or check Facebook. Which, which is, yeah. <laughs> in labor yet. Which is part of the reason why I, I just say June. <laughs> I always tell people to turn off their cell phones after their due date because oh, they're yeah. going to get That's 25 when those calls, calls every come. single day, every single day. It's that true. baby here yet? Exactly. So what are some good reasons for inducing our own labor? I mean, are there bad reasons? I mean, obviously, we do want to wait till we're past our due dates, right? Because then, Absolutely. Yeah, you can get in trouble there. Yeah, for sure. And and um, I think the other important thing to consider is that are we looking at, are you looking, staring at your 42 weeks? That to me would be the only time to try natural induction processes. Or if you are really, you know, irritable, you're just not sleeping, you're, you know, all of those things, 
um, at the end, that might be an okay time to do it. But typically, I would say don't do any of these things until you are at least 41 weeks past. You know, okay. I mean, you can do some of these silly things that we're going to talk about, about, you know, eating pineapple and spicy foods. <laughs> Go for it. You might deal with heartburn, <laughs> ladies. But, um, you know, I mean, that's that's certainly not going to... The only harm that that will do is, you know, probably give you heartburn. <laughs> And have you helped women in the past induce themselves or what's your policy on that? Sure. Um, You know, I mean, there's definitely, I think that I've learned more over the years and I'm certainly less inclined to do it. Um, I'll just share, you know, one experience of a mama that was first time mom. She was two days past her due date, desperately wanting to, um, you know, go into labor. And and she um, called me and said, what do you think about doing castor oil? And I said, don't do it. You know, it absolutely can cause um, an irritable uterus because what it does is it irritates the bowels, which will, in fact, give you diarrhea. The diarrhea then irritates the uterus, which sometimes then can make it go into labor or then start contracting. The problem with it is, is it often will hyperstimulate the uterus. And this was exactly she hung up the phone with me and did it anyways. Oh, no. And um, I wound up being with her for 36 hours because she did, in fact, go into labor and she went into she went into like three minute apart surges that were, um, you know, to her very, very powerful. And in the end, they couldn't get it to, you know, it never went away. It just lasted for, you know, two days. And, uh, you know, that when when you see that sort of thing, you just think, don't don't do it. It's not worth it. If you are staring at I I say castor oil, it can absolutely work. And if you're staring down at that 42 weeks and you're with an OBGYN and you know that you're having to fight for every minute, hour, day to not have um, an induction with Pitocin, then so, you know, go down the whole list. Right. That's the only time I would recommend it. Okay. And that was what was recommended to me. This was sort of a, if you know that, you know, you're like a day away from being induced Mm -hmm. and you you want to avoid that, then that's like the last resort would be the castor oil. And I want to be really clear, unless it's medically indicated 42 weeks, that's, that's the deadline, not 41 weeks, not 41 weeks and two days, 42 weeks. That's what ACOG says. That's what all the journals put out. But unfortunately, many OBGYNs do not practice that way. And is that because the placenta starts to deteriorate at that point? Um, there is a possibility of it, but unless there's sh- signs showing that that's happening, mm-hmm. most most placentas are just fine. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Then is it the baby's size? Because that was one thing that had been told to me is that they were worried about the baby be- getting too big if it's staying in there for too long. Well, there used to be, you know, um, the thought that the babies would gain a half a pound a week, and that's absolutely not true. You're talking about a couple of ounces. And if you see, you know, as a, as a doula, we see a child that's seven pounds, two ounces, and we see a child that's seven pounds, eight ounces, you can't tell the difference. Mm-hmm. There's not, you know, when you're talking about the, the physiological portion of the body the head is not growing (laughs) right (laughs) right the chub which is very squishy and moves right through the vaginal canal just fine doesn't change the head circumference doesn't change which is the biggest part of the baby that's coming through so the whole the baby's getting too big is totally You're not going to go from a seven pound baby to a 10 pound baby in a waiting week, right? in a week no. or two. Or right? a couple yeah. of days. Even. Yeah. No, it's, right. I mean, even if you were waiting from 40 weeks to 42 weeks, you're probably not going to, still not going to get this. Yeah. You know, your body knows what to do, ladies. <laughs> really? It's just what? mom's begging to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Really, I'm 
that's really, <laughs> that's exactly what it most of no the time more. is. Yeah. Well, it's let's talk about what's happening within the body when labor does start. I mean, medically, Don, what happens within a, our bodies to kind of kickstart that labor process? Well, there's an an intricate hormone, ba- in, you know, thing that happens that we really don't clearly understand, mm-hmm. but. You know, we're not sure if the baby releases the hormone or the mom releases the hormone, but somebody releases the hormone that triggers the labor. And, um, you know, if you that's a problem with synthetic induction, right, or doing Pitocin is that you're forcing the body by putting Pitocin or a synthetic form of the drug, but it's not coming from the brain and the baby has not released potentially the hormones that they need to release in order to give birth. Okay. So that's why Pitocin is so dangerous. The other thing that I've experience too is um with a mama that um you know was being induced for preeclampsia is that her body you know their bodies your body's also sending off all of these hormones beyond the puto- or the, beyond the oxytocin it's it's this huge intricate dance right and a lot of those um are relaxants and when you're having an induction at 40 weeks or 39 weeks which is unfortunately very frequent these days your body hasn't gotten all the relaxants to allow the pelvis to open. So a lot of these women will dilate to eight, nine, 10 centimeters, but their baby can't come down. And then they're told, oh, it's because your pelvis was too small. Your baby was too big. No one says it's actually because we artificially started this labor. Your body is not giving out all the hormones that it needs to open and relax and open your vagina and open your um, pelvis. And so your pelvis is static. It's staying in the same place because it doesn't have all the relaxants to do that. So whenever you're triggering even some of these imitation things, you're still, you know, or some of these supposedly safe things, you're still running the same risk. Mm. So what do we do if if women are in that position? How, How do we avoid something like that? Well, you wait for your body to do what it's supposed to do. <laughs> Unless the doctor's like, no, it's coming out now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're if you're dealing with that and you're looking at 42 weeks, there is some risks once you pass 42 weeks. Yeah. But that's the key is the risks go up when you pass 42 weeks, not 41 weeks, mm-hmm. not 40 weeks, right. 42 weeks. Okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to dive into some of these ways to induce labor. When we come back, we're going to discuss the most common ways women try to induce their labor. And we're going to we're going to find out if any of these ways actually work. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking about ways to induce labor naturally, which I think there's probably a lot of women out there who are at the end of their due date or a couple weeks past that are like, come on, guys, let's get this baby out. So what are some of the common ways, Dawn, um, that women try to induce their labor? And is it safe? Well, let's go through some of these, you know, this list of things, because some of these things have great, incredible benefits that are beyond um, induction. So one of the first things here uh, listed is acupuncture. Acupuncture has a lot of amazing benefits beyond um, induction. It gets the body flowing in all the right directions. And but um, it's probably probably one of the most effective ways that I've seen um, labor get going is through acupuncture. Acupuncture is also really great for um, helping with with um, breech babies and things of that nature. Um, having sex and having orgasm and and just so you know that those those can be two separate things <laughs> and and sometimes they need to be separate things um i encourage my mamas to to um have you know get get a little comfortable with yourself and because <laughs> orgasm sends oxytocin through your body um and and if 
your body is ready, it can in fact trigger labor. Not to mention the benefits of having intercourse is that there's um, the prostaglandins in your husband's semen Mm -hmm. um, is great up against your cervix. It can help melt away your cervix. Uh, so, you know, there's lots of great things, but again, the oxytocin is the number one thing for sex and orgasm. So, um, absolutely number one thing to keep doing at the end of pregnancy is when a lot of women stop doing it. No, no matter um, how big and old yeah. and well, huge yeah. it absolutely sounds like the worst <laughs> one. I know. <laughs> I know, right? But listen, I'll tell you hey, what. That's what got the baby in for most people. Know, right. so that's what's going to get the baby right. out. But listen, it's self-stimulation though because it's really more about the orgasm than it is about intercourse. Okay. So, I mean, the prostaglandins are nice in, your, in the semen, but the, you know, the orgasm is really the key. And so even if it's more comfortable to get, you know, have self-stimulation and not have your husband involved, <laughs> that's really okay. Or have him involved, but that it's a clitoral stimulation and not necessarily an internal orgas- orgasm is totally fine. Um, nipple stimulation is great. It can also, again, though, hyper-stimulate the uterus. So being careful, just, you know, mild stimulation. The great thing about nipple stimulation is that if it if it does start labor and it gets a little too intense, you just stop doing it and it typically will back off the the surges not to be too graphic with that but a question (laughs) i mean what i I keep seeing nipple stimulation i hear about it what does that really involve we're tuning we're tuning in tokyo (laughs) is it it more of a pinch no yeah no it's it's a a twisting turning you know like i mean it's definitely you, you can't is it, it supposed you know, to feel good? Little, I forgot we're on radio. I can't, <laughs> I'm like, I can't just like play with your boobs. This everyone. is I'm missing out on what's going on in here today. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's definitely more aggressive. Okay. Yeah. Is it supposed to feel good? No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no. I think that's a big, because when you hear stimulation, I think a lot of times people think it's supposed to feel good. Well, I mean, I suppose it could. You know, I think it depends on <laughs> where you are. That. Yeah. I mean, I, de- I think it depends on where you are mentally, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I absolutely think that you, you, you know, it could feel good, but, but I'm just saying like to be effective that it's typically, is this something, hard, you know, harder. we're doing for 30 seconds, 30 minutes. Like it depends, on, it depends on what you're trying to get going. You okay. know I mean? It depends on if, I mean, nipple stimulation is usually lose, used when labor is already in progress okay. and has kind of died down a little bit, not so much for getting labor started, Okay, okay. gotcha. Okay. but it can stimulate So you would know pretty labor. quickly if it is helping or if it absolutely. isn't, you would be able to tell if there's something. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Long walks, galloping. I'm not sure. Did you, about the I, I saw galloping yeah. online. I, there was actually a video on it. If you guys Google it, um, yeah. like, I think like it, galloping, like horse galloping. Well, <laughs> not riding a horse, big but pregnant women just skipping. Galloping. Yeah, right. Skipping <laughs> along. Big valley. Um, you know, I don't. I think what happens with that is is what it does is it, it helps bring the baby into the pelvis. Okay. The the jiggling, and that's probably you know. I mean, you could probably obtain that many other ways other than galloping. <laughs> you know, I, I imagine and your baby's getting a little jarred in there and it probably wouldn't be that pleasant. But, you know, I would much rather see mom do lunges. You know, like we call it the Captain Morgan lunge where, you know, the Captain Morgan bottle, right? He's got his leg up on the chair or on the barrel actually. So, you you know, in those... Um, situations you want your belly facing forward and your leg out to the side and what that does is it helps open your pelvis and if you lean in so like if you're using a chair or whatever and you lean into the chair with your you know your knee going to the back of the chair making sure you're holding on to the chair ladies because your balance (laughs) is a little crazy but what that does is it really helps open the pelvis and get the baby in the pelvis and then in turn what that does is that then it puts the baby's pressure the head of the um the baby's head against the cervix which Uh then can cause labor to start because it helps start releasing prostaglandin. Okay. 
swimming. Swimming. Um, I don't know that that's an induction. Um, no. I think that it's a fantastic thing to do uh, to relieve pressure. What about just getting back? getting like your heart rate up? I think this is kind of where they're going with some of this, whether it's the long walks or yeah. galloping. I don't that doesn't really that do that much, be... getting your heart rate up? No, I think that it's it's certainly a lovely um, thing to do at the end of pregnancy, though, to release the all the pressures on the body. It feels great right. to be in there. Right. Um, it's a great thing to do if your baby's in a funky position, though. Mm. Um, dangling the, the belly in the, in the water uh, because ultimately gravity works right and and um if you if your baby's posterior or if you've got a breech baby swimming is fantastic oh nice okay good i would just in general be a little bit i know i've heard so many things that involve exercise and that sort of thing but um, for someone like kelly and i who are doing this at home and unmedicated i'd be worried you know people say go for this great long hike and like then i get home and now i'm exhausted and now i'm going Mm. into labor and now i need all my energy but you know what i just hiked for the last three hours yeah that's totally true i I would want to try and do something that was like a little less strenuous first if I could I mean I would say go for a walk on the beach yeah, you know, like sounds, I mean, you know, that something that's peaceful that's super, and relaxing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I, I suppose that people who are listening across in Kansas the country are not. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, thanks, oh, walk in the woods, San Diego. <laughs> um, so, anyways, let's talk. Um, stretching, squatting. I just talked about that absolutely because again, what this is doing, bouncing on the birth ball. Is that different to the squatting? Is that going to produce different? No, it's results? essentially it's yeah, thing. it's essentially the exact same thing. You're getting the pelvis open, and what happens is it allows the baby to drop into the pelvis which then puts pressure on the cervix, which then can trigger everything to get going. Meditation, visualization, and telling your baby to come out. Um, I don't know that this is an induction, uh, but it certainly can help from an emotional standpoint. Um, A lot of times there's emotional barriers. There's fear uh, that can absolutely prevent labor from coming. Uh, And so I think that that's really important to um, do from a mental standpoint. It's not necessarily going to induce the labor, you know, but it's certainly a healthy practice no matter what. I thought it was interesting um, to tell your baby to come out. You know, it's like, is the baby really listening? But <laughs> but like you said, it's it's more of a process for you to Absolutely. be like, okay, this is going to happen. This is natural. Absolutely. Well, and I think that it, it puts you in a place of being ready, yeah. you know, because by telling your baby that you're ready, that you're ready, that's part of the getting ready process, right, is going like, okay, I'm I'm embracing this because ultimately you have to embrace labor to come. You have to. It's a you know. It's it's as much mental in the beginning as it is physical. Sure. Uh, let's see pressure points. So um, I probably this is probably the thing that I use the most as a doula. Um, if I have a mama that's having a lot of irritable surges and like they were up the whole night before with um, surges that kept waking them up, and I call them surges instead of contractions. So okay, just a nicer Same word. Thing. Yeah. Um, if you know there's a lot of that and they've been having it for days on end. Um, I will um, come over and do pressure points for them, as a, including with a foot massage or whatever, just to help. Sometimes it's helped; it's to help them just relax, and that will do it enough. But then also working the pressure points, um, but that absolutely works. Well, now what are pressure points? Are there specific areas yes. of the bodies you just apply pressure to? Yeah, absolutely. There's pressure points. It has to do with um, acupuncture or acupressure points in your body. And if you go online, you can pretty much just do acupressure points for labor, and you'll get a whole slew of them and with directions on where they are probably the most common one is on the inside of the leg about three inches up from the ankle bone um that's probably the very number one spot 
and um, and it's very easy to find because there's a dent in your leg. And uh, when you're at the end of pregnancy, <laughs> we're, looking? we're all looking yeah. at our legs. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're at the end of pregnancy, it's very tender. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, um, there's going to be um, directions on how to use that. But that's really great. Also, if your labor is kind of stalling. That's a fantastic way to keep in, in instead of, you know, if you're going to um, if you're in the hospital or at home and um, they're starting to talk other induction that is not so natural. This is a great way, place to go first. Great. Uh, the spicy food, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those old wives, a uh, wives tales, spicy you hear it all the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that there, there's some somebody who said and I you know I mean I've this is kind of obscure but I I've heard that there's some sort of enzyme in the eggplant and in the pineapple there's discussion here that could potentially do some things but you know I I often think it's just a coincidence yeah you know because you you hear of people who will have it you know I'm eating the spicy food I had a spicy eggplant three nights in a row you know (laughs) you know and it's not doing anything and so and then you've got the person who like I totally had spicy eggplant and then here I am in labor right you know and you just kind of go okay well I think it's just coincidental at least that's my belief but and who isn't knows it kind of related almost a milder version of the castor oil you're just getting your intestines moving <laughs> it's and probably true. possibly giving yourself diarrhea that's so. probably true that's probably true um yeah and and castor oil is definitely you yeah. know wow that can really cause a lot of challenges and beyond the fact that um it can hyperstimulate your uterus, which is usually the the side effect that happens, um, but also the diarrhea that comes along with it. Um, there's lots of different fallacies about how much you should take. I was just going to say, how yeah, much? a spoonful mm. is it. I mean, I've seen women who have taken half a bottle, oh and that God. is not how do you even choke that down. Well, most people put it in juice, oh. you know, juice or whatever. Yeah. But if you are going to do it, and if you're at 42 weeks and you're getting a tremendous amount of pressure to, you know, like tomorrow at 7 a.m., you're going to be induced with pitocin. Then, by all means, go for the castor <laughs> oil. You know, I mean, but but understand that there are definitely some negative side effects to that. And um, having explosive diarrhea during labor is probably not going to be your favorite <laughs> thing to have happen. Um, cohosh, um, you absolutely can get that st- sort of thing over the counter at Henry's or what Jimbo's. What in the world is it's an herb? It is an herb. It's, it's like, like blue a, it's and a, black cohosh. Yeah, blue and, and black cohosh. But I would never recommend doing that without a prescription from, or not a prescription, but a recommendation from your midwife or OB. Although OBs typically don't. So I would go, if you are with an OB, I would go to a naturopath mm-hmm. and get clear directions on how to use it and when to use it. It's another thing that can absolutely be successful. Um, if it's your second or third baby, it can be extremely successful and, and, you know, baby in the car on the side of the road kind of successful. So you got to be really careful with it and take it appropriately. And, um, and then, but the other thing, great thing about it is that it will not work unless your body's ready. Um, evening primrose oil, again, it's not an induction. It's a, um, there is, um, a lot of midwives who suggest taking it orally your entire pregnancy and then after 36 weeks taking it vaginally. Uh, and what it does is it helps smooth out the um, of cervix. So essentially, like I, I typically um, discuss it a lot with the cervical scar tissue discussion, right? Because if you've had cervical scar tissue, it will actually help soften any um, scar tissue that you might have on your cervix. So there are some great benefits to it. It's um, some women have experienced get itchy. 
with it. And so obviously if that's happening, you probably would want to just, you know, not, not do it. Um, there's another thing called borage oil, which is basically the same idea. But, um, I've heard people say that borage oil is actually better. It's a more concentrated, um, thing than evening primrose oil. So, um, but I think again, you need to talk to a naturopath or your midwife about taking that. I wouldn't just go to the store and buy some because it comes in the little tiny pills, you know, the little sugar pills, Mm -hmm. um, is, is one of the ways that you can take it. And, and you don't want the directions on the side of the bottle are not for, labor induction you know so it's not going to tell you appropriately how to take it and how much and how often and all of those things so you need to make sure you talk with a professional about that mm. good advice thanks thanks so much for being here don it was fun talking to you tell us a little bit more about improving org. Uh, well, it's a nonprofit organization that is um, working to reduce the unnecessary induction and unnecessary C-section in this country. It's currently right now at uh, 32%, which means one in three, more than one in three women are having cesareans. Mm-hmm. And the induction rate is even higher than that. It's 42%. So, you know, we're just trying to bring awareness. Awesome. Thanks, John. Thank you. Here's a question for one of our experts. Hi, my name is Heidi, and I'm calling from Chicago. I'm hoping that one of your experts can talk a bit about delayed cord clamping. My husband and I are planning to give birth at a hospital, and my OBGYN is pretty traditional when it comes to the whole labor and delivery process. They're not sold on the idea of waiting to cut the cord, and I've heard that there are a lot of benefits to doing this. Can you talk about the benefits and any risks that I should be concerned about? Thank you so much. Here is a response from our doula, Care Messer. Hi, Nicole. Um, early cord clamping, there's a lot of information on it, so I'm going to try and summarize it for you. Um, it's relatively new. It's from the 1940s. Um, it's practiced in only a few countries, but it's standard practice here in America. Um, studies show that half of your baby's blood volume remains in the placenta at the time of birth. And think about it as nature's way of slowly transitioning your baby into breathing and surviving on its own outside the womb. Your baby is still getting oxygen through the cord while it's working on taking its first breath. Um, adequate blood volume is needed to perfuse the lungs, ki- gut, kidneys, skin, and the blood transfusion from the placenta, it's known as placental transfusion, is very important. Especially in preterm infants, research has shown it can decrease the need for blood transfusions and possible brain injury. Um, gravity does affect the transfer of blood. The optimal transition for this is baby right on mom's chest. Until that cord um, pulsation stops, it lets you know that the transfer is complete. And the process usually takes three minutes, might be a little longer, and it can also complete in one minute. It just varies from baby to baby. The risks are believed to be an increase in jaundice and the fear that the blood will drain back out of the baby if the cord is not clamped. And jaundice is almost certain when a baby gets his or her full quota of blood. There is, however, no evidence of adverse effects from this mild jaundice. Most human babies have some form of jaundice. Where the baby is lifted above the uterus before clamping, like in a cesarean, blood will drain back into the placenta by gravity, guaranteeing these babies are receiving definitely less than their expected blood volume. The consequence of this may be an increased risk in breathing or respiratory distress, and several studies have shown that this respiratory distress condition, which is common in C-section babies, um, can be completely eliminated when placental, full placental transfusion is allowed. Um, studies also show that delayed cord clamping can increase fetal hemoglobin, baby's blood volume, and increases the long-term iron stores in babies. So it's really good for them. The most basic argument for placental transfusion or delayed cord clamping is if it were 
essentially injurious or detrimental to us, then humans would have become extinct long before the invention of the clamping of the cord. Leaving the cord alone has just been done since time began. It's done all over the world, and everybody's still here. Um, you can learn more about the studies and new findings on delayed cord clamping from watching a short four-part series on YouTube called Delayed Cord Clamping Grand Rounds with Dr. Nick Fogelson, or checking out a site, there are several sites, but one called brain, birth-brain-injury.org. There's some great illustrations and diagrams to explore on that site. Um, I hope that helps. There's a lot of information out there, so good luck in making your decision. Bye. That wraps up our show for today. If you have a pregnancy topic you'd like to suggest, we would love to hear it. Visit our website, preggypals.com, and send us an email through the contact link. And if you have any questions about today's show or the topics we discussed, call our Preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775, and we'll answer your questions on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening to Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.